Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. You always hear coaches and players and other high achievers say, win the day. They're always talking about that notion, right? Win the day. It's a little bit tired. It's a lot beaten down, but I get it. In fact, I actually subscribe to it. Get up, go to war with yourself, win the day, then get up and do it again and again and again. And if you string enough of them together, you don't just win the day, you win the life. That's how that goes. Once again, simple but not easy. However, in terms of this particular day, we're not even to lunch yet. Hell, here on the West Coast, it's only 9.03. But I can tell you somebody who has already won her day. The queen herself, Danica from Jacksonville, diehard Jags fan. She's already won the day. She came in here yesterday and said that if Tim Tebow is not cut after his on-the-field performance this past weekend, she would lick Ritz bald head. Mm. And if you know anything about the queen, you know that's no idle threat. Now, I'm out of money for season tickets, and the only thing I can do is go to the games, get drunk, find a little tenderoni, and take him home for the night and ruin him. I'm out. So the queen knows. The queen knows. She knows how to, well, she knows Jack's football. She knows football. She knows how to get drunk. She knows how to find tenderonies. And that's not you, Rit. Nothing tender about you, old man. She knows how to find tenderonies, and she knows how to bring them home and wreck them. So when Danica hits us up on this show and says, I'm telling you, Rome, if Tebow is not cut after that game, I will lick Ritt's head. I believe it. And sure enough, first thing this morning, Tim Tebow tweets in part, and I quote, Thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunities and the setbacks. I've never wanted to make decisions out of fear of failure, and I'm grateful for the chance to have pursued a dream. End quote. And you know, if somebody is jumping on Twitter first thing to thumb out a yearbook-style message, then you know something just went down. And what went down was that Jacksonville, Jacksonville did in fact release him. The dream is dead. The terrible experiment that never had a chance goes up in flames. Now, I know what you're expecting. You're expecting me to come in here and clown Tim Tebow and say that he looks like a complete and total idiot right now for thinking that he could play tight end in the NFL after being out of that league for nine years, after being an average to below average player even when he was in the league almost a decade ago. I mean, there is a reason why his NFL career ended in his mid-20s. And that reason is, he just wasn't that good. Best guy ever? Maybe. Maybe. Most average, overhyped NFLer ever? Pretty much. But I'm not here to kill this guy. Or to talk about how disgraceful and embarrassing those highlights were of him attempting to block the opposition this past weekend. You've already seen all that. I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that, nor am I here to tell you how bad he looks. And he does look bad. But here is the truth. Here is the bottom line. Tebow himself does not come out of this looking like the biggest idiot 
Urban Meyer does. I'm not putting this on Tebow. Sure, he looked like he had never even played the sport of football before in that exhibition game. Missing blocks, falling over, spearing his own guy. But the truth of the matter is, this really is no different than this guy going off to that adult fantasy baseball camp with the Mets for the last several years. And in his defense, I have to say, why not? I mean, why the hell not? If somebody gives you a chance to make a team, why not? Why not give it a shot? I mean, other than your reputation and pride and legacy, and it's a terrible look, but other than all that, what do you really have to lose? Of course he was absolutely undeserving of this shot and had absolutely no business being out there. And absolutely no business taking up a roster spot from somebody who might actually help that team. Maybe another weapon to help a young quarterback. But, but in Tebow's defense, he did not put a gun to Urban Meyer's head to force him to do this. Now, zero credit to Tebow for facing the, quote, fear of failure, or whatever he called it. It was not a fear of failure, It was a guarantee of failure, but he went for it anyway, and so would just about everybody else on the planet. Like, you're telling me that if an NFL team called you today and said, hey, can you come to training camp? No, come to training camp. This is an official invite. We'll hook you up with some sick gear. You could try to make the team. Are you going to tell me, any of you, that if a team called you and said, come to camp, we want you here, that you would say no? Hell no. Hell no, no, you wouldn't. If somebody came to me and offered me that opportunity, an opportunity that I was in no way deserving of, you know, like Tebow did not deserve that opportunity, man, I would do the same thing Tebow did. I'd accept it. You know, they write huge checks. People write huge checks just to throw on their favorite team's gear and run around pretending to be an actual player in these adult fantasy camps. Tebow got to throw on Jags gear and run around pretending to be an actual player, and he didn't have to pay a dime. In fact, they paid him. So I see this guy working. I mean, yes, it was a terrible idea. No, it never had a chance to succeed. Yes, it was a terrible idea that only two people on the planet thought could actually work. And as terrible as Tebow looked in that exhibition game, I'm telling you, Urban Meyer looks so much worse. So much worse. Because he was the genius who thought that bringing in a 34-year-old man who had not played in the league in nearly a decade and asked him to learn a new position on the fly. That genius thought that would work. He was the genius who thought that he could teach Tim Tebow a new position. Never mind that a bunch of other coaches, including Bill Belichick himself, tried to make it work with Tebow in the NFL and couldn't do it. Oh, no. Oh, no. But Herb, with no NFL head coaching experience, was going to be the one to do it. He was going to do the thing that the greatest ever couldn't do. Yet, sure you weren't Herb. So you tell me, is that the most arrogant thing ever or the most idiotic thing ever? I can answer that. Yes. Yes. And by the way, 
Do you have any idea how disrespectful that is to tight ends? Do you really think that dudes like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Gronk just roll out of bed and do what they do? Hell no. They work their asses off, and they have for decades to to do everything that they do on the football field. Austin Hooper, as an example, my guy. You think these guys just roll out of the rack and can just do this? Hell no. Oh, and don't tell me that Tebow was just going to be a blocking tight end, so that's easier. That is insanely disrespectful to actual blocking tight ends. Like, these guys have to block some of the freakiest, twitchiest, athletic pass rushers on the planet. But you're just going to teach a failed quarterback and a failed outfielder how to do that in a matter of weeks. Man, get out of here with that bullcrap. And if this was just about trying to find a blocking tight end, then let me ask you this. You couldn't just find a blocking tight end? You couldn't find one who was, I don't know, a decade younger, who had actually played football in the last few years, who had maybe even played the position before? Your scouting department botched that so badly that you had to grab a 34-year-old former minor league outfielder. We're talking about an old man who has not played an NFL game in years, and you think you can just bring this guy back and that he'd make an NFL team because you had some cool moments with him nearly a decade and a half ago. Man, I'm telling you, this guy who's never coached an NFL game was going to bring in a guy who's never played an NFL game at a certain position, and that was going to work. The hell it was. We all knew that wasn't going to work. Those two were the only ones who thought that that would work. And can I tell you something else? Even if it did work, and it was never going to, but even if it did work, I'll play along, exactly what would you get for that? A backup to the backup blocking tight end who was one of the oldest guys on the team. In other words, exactly zero reward for that. So let me repeat all of this because I still cannot get over the arrogance of this. Urban Meyer, as one of his first moves in charge of an NFL team, decides he wants to bring in somebody to play a position he has never played before who had been out of the league for nearly a decade. Do you know how dumb that sounds? But to Herb, it sounded like a good idea. And yes, it's a hell of a lot of time for me to spend on a team cutting their seventh tight end or whatever the hell Tebow was. But it's not about that. I'm spending the time because I want to make the point what this is about is Meyer and his way of doing things. One of the worst ideas ever with the most predictable outcome ever. But Meyer just kept up that charade for weeks and only cut him when he had absolutely no choice but to cut him. There was no way those highlights could hit social media and you could keep that guy around. Absolutely no part of this made sense. Everybody knew it, but Herb plowed ahead anyway. That's why this matters. It's not about Tebow. It's about Herb and the thought process that went into this. It's about how this guy, who is supposed to save the franchise, thinks and operates. 
Either nobody in the organization told him it was asinine, or they did, and he wouldn't listen. This whole unnecessary venture, this whole colossal waste of time, reveals way more about Herb than it does Tebow. And what it shows is really bad. So I would tell you to coach him up, Herb, but I'm not sure that's possible. Who knows how much of that locker room you already lost with that debacle. Because the surest way to not get the buy-in from your veteran players is to pull some college bullcrap like that. And that's exactly what that was, and it blew up in his face. Hope that was worth it. Here's some real talk for you. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. Keeps is offering a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You do not have to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatment starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions. Discreet packaging, proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this quickly. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome and get your first month for free. keeps.com slash Rome. He is Marquez Valdez Scantling. Marquez, good to have you back. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. In fact, let me rephrase that. You and I spoke about five months ago, so why don't you bring me up to date? How was the rest of your offseason, and what's it been like in camp so far, getting ready for another year? Um, offseason was great. You know, I did some traveling, you know, started my, my clothing lines, which is Six Selection, and started my gaming org, which is Trench Made Gaming, um, and then worked out and uh, got ready for the season. All right, so I'm going to ask you about some of those things you did off the field in a moment, but you had a huge performance in that MC Championship game. You had four catches, 116 yards. You had that 50-yard TD, but you've been really clear that since the team didn't win, none of that matters. I'm kind of curious, how do you go about processing the good games and the bad games? In other words, do you treat them the same way and then just put them behind you the moment they're over and then move on to the next thing? What is your process? Yeah, obviously they all get treated the same, no matter if it's a career game or career low you know you you shoot it the same you know you you learn from it you know and take it as it is you know um, good or bad and then you wipe it clean and start over on the next week all right so like I get that but at the same time you know how tough it is to get there you know how tough it is to get that close and you were that close to beating the Bucks and going to the Super Bowl in Tampa as somebody from Tampa who lives not that far from the stadium how tough was it to get that close and come up just short yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, definitely, definitely tough, especially, you know, living in Tampa now and playing my college football down in Tampa, uh, you know, having to drive past that stadium, you know, pretty much every day to go work out and seeing the the championship banner being hung up, you know, it wasn't a g- great feeling. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't too bitter because, like I said, that's, uh, you know, I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida, so that's, you know, that was the hometown team growing up. So, you know, it was, it's cool to see them win, but, you know, I wish it was us. 
I was going to say, yeah, but not as cool as to see you win, but I, I hear you. Marquez Valdez-Scantling joining us. So you're playing in camp, and because of the camp you're having and because of the way you've progressed over the course of your career, folks who are covering the team have raised the possibility of you having a 1,000-yard season. Is that in the back of your mind, and what's your reaction when you hear it? Uh, I mean, you know, stats are cool. You know, obviously that's a individual goal to, to something like that. Um, but obviously, you know, being the two NFC championships – back-to-back years and being really close to a Super Bowl, that's kind of the ultimate goal. Um, and obviously, you know, that's a lot more important than a 1,000 yards. I've seen a lot of 1,000-yard receivers uh, not, not winning any football games. And, you know, winning is what's important over here. So. so not only that, but in terms of receivers, the team brings back Randall Cobb and just did that recently. What's it been like to reunite with him? And are you now having to teach him some of the offense because the offense has changed since he left? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, Randall was, you know, my vet when I got into the league. Um, you know, it was his, his last year in Green Bay. It was my first year in Green Bay. And he's one of the best vets I've ever been around between him and Devontae Adams. You know, I, I couldn't ask for a better group of guys to teach me how to be a pro and how to, you know, go about my business. And, you know, I'm grateful for Randall, you know, even when he left. You know, we still stayed in communication. And obviously, with him coming back, you know, he's a great addition to our room and things that he can do. And obviously, he can still go out and play at a high level um and obviously you know it's fun teaching him some stuff now he sit next he sits next to me in uh in our meeting rooms so he's always asking questions about you know the new offense and what do guys do here and that and obviously he can still teach us about some things because obviously playing with Aaron Rodgers for you know eight years he knows some things that you know other guys don't know um how to run certain routes and what what 12 likes and what 12 doesn't like on certain things Um, because, you know, football is football and it still goes hand-in-hand even though the names of the plays may change. Um, You know, it's still the the same concepts um, essentially, so... I think that's really cool, actually. Like, so when you got there, he was one of the vets, and you talked about Devontae being one of the vets, but you now are one of the vets that you were talking about when you talk about them. What does that mean to you, and how are you approaching that role now that you're one of the guys that other guys look to? No, I mean, obviously it's cool. Obviously, you know, we got the best receiver in our room still in the National Football League, and it's not even close. So, obviously, he's still the the big dog in the room. Um, But, obviously, with having, you know, that kind of maturity and growth and production, uh, guys ask you questions. And uh, it's a great feeling to be able to go out and and teach guys the things that you do well and and even to learn from some of the younger guys, you know, because everyone is different, has a unique skill set that they possess. So being able to go out and, you know, learn from different guys and teach other guys things. Um, football is forever evolving, but it's still the same thing. So I think it's one of the greatest sports that, you know, stays the same, but it's forever changing. So let me ask you this. When you talk about the big dog, Devontae being the best, and that it's not even close, it's a lot of great receivers in the league. What separates him from everybody else in your mind? Uh, I mean, I just don't think he can be covered at the end of the day. I think that's um, the the best part about what he does. You know, he's not like – super spectacular at, at one thing, um, but he's just a technician in everything that he does. Um, and he gets guys to move the way he wants them to move. He never lets another DB control the the play. Um, I think that's just the best thing about him is that he's always in control of how the play is going to play out because of what he does and, and how he moves around. Marquez Valdez-Scantling joining us once again. He's got a lot of things going on off the field. I'll get to it in just one moment. You know, you mentioned number 12, so let me ask you about Aaron Rodgers. You've said that he's your favorite quarterback. In fact, even before you arrived in the league. So purely from a receiver standpoint, what is it that makes 12 so special? For instance, is it the arm? Is it the accuracy? Or is it something else? I mean, I think it's it's everything. Obviously, I think he is the most 
physically gifted quarterback I've ever seen throw a football. You know, and it's it's not a few, not a lot of guys that can do what he does with the football in his hands. Um, but he's super intelligent, and he's he has the intangibles, you know, off the field that you know make him a, a special, you know, one of one quarterback that other guys can't do. And like I said, he can just make any throw from any position, and and I think that's the most elite thing that he can do. Um, he can throw a you know seventy yard pass with a flick of a wrist off of his back foot, and then you know be off balance and throw a dime across his body, you know, across the field. So it's just a lot of throws that he makes. You're just like, wow. You know, I remember my rookie year, he threw me a, a comeback to the field, um, rolling out to the opposite side and, and no looked it and threw me a dime. Didn't even know the ball was coming to me. So it was just one of those things. It's like, wow, I can't believe it. All right. So knowing all that stuff, right? Knowing what he can do on the field, knowing what he means off the field. What was it like for you watching everything play out with him and the team in the offseason? Were you ever worried that he might not be back? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, that's my quarterback, and obviously he's the best in the game. You know, he proved that last year by winning MVP and, you know, his play year in and year out. Um, so obviously, you know, not having him around would always be a concern, um, but I'm, I'm, bad. I'm glad he's back. You know, you on social media, I think, tweet a lot of wisdom. For example, you recently tweeted, quote, you'd be surprised how much your life changes when you cut negative people out. Just don't even deal with it. No toleration for vultures. And a tweet. I actually love that. Lay that out for me. What do you mean by that? And how have you gone about cutting out that negativity? Is that a hard thing to do sometimes? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's people in your life that you care about and that you love and... Um, they care about you, um, but sometimes they, you know they they may provide a negative light on things, and you have to be able to to pull yourself away from from those things. Um, or you know, and once you do that, you realize that you know they were kind of an anchor in your life, and being able to separate that is huge in the growth of yourself as a person. I think that and <laughs> the the go the back and forth between you and Kenny Clark on Twitter has been awesome <laughs> lately. He tweeted that you were trying to gain weight, to which you responded, and I quote, give me some of yours. I'm sure you got plenty to spare in the walls <laughs> on your neck. Dude, that's an incredible line. How did he take that, and how would you describe that relationship right now? Uh, it's, uh, it's hilarious. Uh, his lock is. is actually next to mine. Um, and we this is what we do literally every day. So we finally decided decided to take it to social media, but we literally do this every single day, and it's, it's hilarious. He's actually one of my really good friends on this team, um, and, you know, we, we talk all the time. Obviously, you know, we joke around, but we actually are really good friends off the field, and uh, I think that kind of happened with um, COVID because once COVID happened, they kind of switched our lockers around because everyone was, like, grouped up by positions, but since COVID happened, they tried to, like, break us up, like, offense, defense, so everyone's lockers moved around, and you got to interact with, with different people. And uh, they put his locker next to mine. Um, and ever since then, we've just been you know, chopping it up, making fun of each other, all of the above. I love it. I'm glad you brought us in. I, I know we're not getting the very best stuff, but we're still getting some really good stuff. So I'm glad you brought us in. I mentioned off the top, you're one of the co-founders of Sick Selection. It's a brand-new clothing line. How did the idea first come to be regarding that? How did you get into it? Um, so I've always been super into to fashion. You know, if you go and look at my Instagram, it's it's what you'll see: football, um, gaming, clothing, uh, shoes, and my dog. So that's that's literally what my my life is revolved around. Um, and so I just always kind of wanted to you know start my own thing. 
And I think that was just something that, you know, me and three of my closest friends kind of got off the ground running. And uh, I think we're doing a, a pretty good job of it, you know. So had our first photo shoot over the summer, you know, got our, our line launched up and put out and we got it going. So, you know, if you guys want to go check it out, it's Sick Selection. That's S-I-K Selection.com. And uh, we got some cool stuff on there. All right, so I want to ask you this. What's it like? Like, you've always had this in your head, and now it's come to fruition, and you've got a process for it. What's it like to be in the middle of this? And then, like, as a follow-up question, style was so personal, right? So how would you describe mm-hmm. the look and feel of the collection? So it's a luxury streetwear, um, but anyone can wear it. So I think that's kind of our our mantra with, with things is that, you know, we want to be able to let people feel good and, you know, not have to go out and spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on, you know, the, the high designer. So we want to give you the, the same quality look of, you know, the top brands um, at a much more affordable price and, you know, something that we envision to what what we like and what we think other people will like. You know, I think that's just kind of where our, our whole mindset was with, you know, creating this um, this brand, you know, and the uh, acronym for SICK is Successful Innovative Kings. So it's me and three of my closest friends, and that's kind of the lifestyle that we wanted to, you know, to have. You know, we, we all do different things with our lives, but, you know, being a football player isn't defined as, you know, my success, or that is my success. And my other friend's a pharmacist. My other friend just finished uh, his master's program, and my last friend is a MMA fighter. So we got four different jobs, but we're all successful at we, what we do. So I think that's just the biggest thing is that, you know, you can be successful in anything that you do, and that's the mindset that we wanted to have with it. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make smarter money decisions, Lending Tree is here for you. With the Lending Tree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and your saving and build a budget that works for you. Monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, get automatic alerts to protect your identity, and LendingTree can make sure you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree also gives you personalized tips and insight into how to save money and reach your financial dreams. For more than 20 years, LendingTree has helped millions of people simplify their finances with trusted education, expert advice, and comprehensive services. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. It's been a weird offseason, right, for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Generally, weird is good. Not in this case. Not as it relates to the team anyway or the front office. In this case, it's just weird. Really weird. Remember, they drafted Aaron's replacement last year and did not even bother to give him a heads up before they did it. And yes, Packer fan, They did, in fact, owe him that. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is the best and most important player you have. He's one of the best in the history of that franchise. So, yes, he should not find out at the same time as the rest of us that you were drafting his replacement. So, he then follows that up by winning the league MVP. And then they spend the offseason doing everything they can to avoid admitting that he's not their guy going forward. 
So you would think that when Aaron finally shows up at camp, things would continue to be strange. And by strange, I mean completely and utterly jacked up. A lot of guys in Roger's situation would have shown up bitter. In fact, every single guy in his situation would have been pissed. And they would have let you know about it from the moment their car or their plane or their tank showed up at training camp. Everything would have been about being pissed off. Everything would have been about proving the front office wrong. Training camp and the entire season would have been a scorched earth policy to the team, to the front office. We've seen this time and time again. So it would be only natural if you were expecting it again right here. Except if you're thinking that, then you don't know the guy. And you don't know the work that Aaron does when it comes to mindset and approach and being mindful. According to Peter King, Aaron's attitude and presence was so good and so positive that head coach Matt LaFleur had Rodgers break down the team after the first practice. So what was that? What did he say? Was it like, hey, hey, yo, bleep the front office, bleep everybody who doubts me after an MVP season? Or was it maybe some old school, any dogs in the house from Drew Brees? Was it maybe something about eating a W? No, it's none of that. According to King, Rogers told him, quote, I can't remember the exact words, but I said, your thoughts are becoming real things. I talked about a positive mindset. I did want to assure the guys how special it was to be back, how committed I am to the team, how special the relationships are to me, how focused I am on this season and accomplishing all of our goals. But I talk a lot about positivity, about a mindset, about manifestation, about embracing the journey. That stuff that's really important to me. Be present. This is a great time in our lives. End quote. I mean, holy crap. Not only does he not show up pissed. He's talking to everybody about how special the relationships on the team are, about positivity, about mindset, about manifestation, about embracing the journey. You know, that to me is incredible. You're expecting me to read a pep talk of sorts, and this guy just starts dropping wisdom about how to approach life. Like there was no, listen up, mother bleepers. I deserve better. You all know I deserve better. And believe this, I'm going to get mine. And then I'm going to bust out of here, and they're going to get theirs. Trust that. The bleeping train is leaving the station, and either you're on it or you're not. So make up your bleeping minds right now, because it's pulling the hell out. No, I mean, there was none of that. Just gratitude. Just an appreciation for everything that he's already experienced there and for the opportunity still in front of him. Not a trace of bitterness. In fact, not only that, he's all positivity. He's telling his guys, it's real. Man, you need to embrace it the same way. Be in the moment. Be grateful. Be positive, cherish the opportunity, lock in, and do not worry about next year. Don't worry about things that are out of our control. Like, some of you Packer fans don't want to hear this, 
and some of you Packer fans don't believe this, but that's an amazing perspective and attitude from an amazing dude, and it's not just lip service. Man, this guy means this. He's living it. You're going to get the very best version of Aaron Rodgers for as long as you have him. And if he's feeling this good right now, look the hell out. Because not only did he come in or not come in with any baggage or lingering resentment, he himself admits that he's way ahead of where he was last year at this time, right now. And remember, last year, he went on to become the MVP. He went on to have one of his best years ever. And even he admits, I'm way ahead of last year right now. Again, I can't say how much I respect the guy and how he's handling this whole thing. And again, I know some of you Packer fans don't agree with that at all. I'm telling you, it's cool as hell. It's inspiring as hell. Like, I want to chop it up with him again, but not talk football this time. I only want to talk about life and mindset and perspective and purpose and gratitude and appreciation. Because, and this is the key, the reason this guy, because if all you care about is football, the reason this guy is playing at such a high level, so late in his career, despite all the noise, is because this is bigger than football. The reason he's still dominating on the field is because he does so much work on himself off of it. And that, to me, is the most interesting aspect of the entire thing. Like, who in that position does that? How is that possible? Who? Only one guy to me, Aaron Rodgers. Like, as bad as that situation got, this guy loves his teammates, he cherishes the relationships and the opportunity, and he is dead set and locked in on being locked in, on being present and living in the moment. All right, so I know what you're thinking. Yeah, Rome, cool. Really cool. All is well and good Then he's on great terms with his teammates. But he's got to be pissed at the coach, right? And if not at the coach, then certainly the front office, right? He's got to be ready to rip into them and trash them for being so disrespectful to the reigning MVP, right? He's going to light them up again like he did in the presser, right? Wrong. He didn't. Quote, I have a really good relationship with the staff. Once you get into the football season, those are the most important relationships because you're talking with them every day. I've always had a good relationship with Matt when it comes to play calling and installs and stuff I like. Then obviously having offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who's a close friend in the room, and passing game coordinator Luke Getze. Those are the most important relationships. All right, so he's getting along with all those guys too. All right, cool. But what about the GM, right? He's got to hate that guy. You know, the guy who's given him the impression that he's trying to push him out the door every single chance that he gets. Come on, Rome. Get real. You know he hates Goots. I mean, after all, that's what elite competitors do, right? They get pissed at decision makers. If you watch The Last Dance, you saw how MJ raged about Jerry Krause for years. Rogers has got to see Goots the same way 45 saw Crumbs Krause, right? Wrong again. Wrong. Quote, the other one. Gutekunst, you know, I leave space and optimism for growth and change. But you know, at this point, my focus is just on the football staff and making sure those conversations and communication are right going into the season. End of quote. 
All right, so when was the last time you heard a player who spent an offseason that awkward and a situation that ugly with his team say that he was leaving, quote, space and optimism for growth and change? I'll tell you when. Never. It just doesn't happen because this dude is different. Some of that might be how he's built. Some of that might be all the work that he's done. Because I'm telling you, this guy studies and he thinks and he reflects. He's gone through a tough situation. He's ended up in a really good place. So Packer fan, let me address some of you right now. Because I've heard from a lot of you this offseason. I saw you in Wisconsin when I spent a month there. As long as we're talking about practicing gratitude and appreciating what you have. You need to appreciate what you have in Aaron Rodgers because this guy is not just a one-of-a-kind quarterback. He's got a one-of-a-kind approach. And when he's gone, no matter how he ends up leaving, you will never, ever see his like ever again. Ever. This is not Brett Favre looking to force his way to Minnesota so he could come back and jam you twice a year. This is a guy who's being positive and grateful to the point that he's leaving space and optimism for growth and change, even with the people who've bothered him the most, right? Different dude. Very cool. Very wise. And something you need to appreciate because this guy never wanted to leave, never wanted anything other than to finish his career with the Packers and just get a little respect. And by the way, I'm convinced he still does. Even though that probably won't happen, I still think that he wants to. So, instead of going in on this guy because you think he's ungrateful, look in the mirror, hit your knees, and say thanks for Rodgers. Trust me, he knows he's lucky to have you. He knows he's lucky to have the opportunity. He's grateful for all those things. Now, you need to get right And know how lucky you are to have this guy for however long you still have this guy. Like, I get it, Packer fan. I mean, maybe on some level, you think he's just another employee. Maybe on some level, you want to see that rage from your quarterback. Maybe you want that scorched earth policy when Aaron walks onto the practice field. When Aaron comes in a break room and Goont is pouring himself a cup of joe. Maybe you want drowning pool in the background. Oh, hey, Aaron. This town ain't big enough for both of us, G. That's not how that's going to go, man. He's not doing his GM like that. What, like like Aaron's going to flip over a folding table of donuts and yesterday's birthday cake and lunge at the GM? He's not doing that, man. That's not this guy. He's not dogs in the house guy. He's not dogs in the house guy. Nor is he hip hip hooray guy. Say, uh, three cheers for uh, for what we did. We accomplished a lot today. So it's going to be a hip hip and I want a hooray. Yeah. Okay. Three cheers. Hip hip hooray. Hip hip hooray. That was an NFL head coach. And that was not the year 1910. And that's not Aaron. That's Jim Zorn, by the way. Aaron's also not going to come in here and eat W's. I want everybody to look at me. I'm going to pass this to corn after I say one thing. Let's go. That's a W. Let's eat one. 
That's eat one. That's a W. How many people want to eat a W tonight? How many eat a W tonight? Come in. I mean, I wish you were that guy. We need more guys like that. I'll tell you what else. He's definitely not pants on the ground guy either. Pants. pants on the ground. Pants on the ground. Pants on the ground. Pants on the ground. Sorry, Packer fan. He's not that guy. He's none of those guys. However, you see me again in late December, and I will say you are welcome. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Chase Edmonds. Chase, good to have you on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you doing? I good. appreciate you having me. Dude, it's great to have you back. Thanks, Chase, so much. So what's camp been like for you so far, and how would you describe the vibe around the team at this very moment? Camp's been good, man. We've had a really good competition across the board. All positions lined up. I think we're doing a good job of obviously taking care of each other, but really going out there and competing and making each other better. Uh, obviously having an opportunity to go up against guys on our defense like Buda Baker, helping Zayvon Collins get his feet wet, Isaiah Simmons, and having guys like Chandler Jones come back, coming off the edge, is really good for the team right now. And um, one thing that I think I'm really just trying to work on is my, my leadership in the running back room and my leadership with the younger guys on the team and just trying to help guys any way I can to help them take a step forward in their game. All right, so that's really interesting right there, what you just said. Chase Edmonds joining us. Interesting to me because going into camp, there have been all this talk about the starting running back and the talk outside of camp was about the competition between you and James Conner. So you want to lead and you want to be there for the other guys, but there's all this noise about a competition. Is that the way you're approaching it? How are you approaching it? I mean, I'm approaching it by just worrying about myself, man, and worrying about what I can do to the best of my ability on my job. Uh, Again, I always tell people football is a team sport, and I think the one thing that really good teams do is that everyone finds their role and they find a way to excel at it. So whenever we find out what the roles are going to be, I think that's when everyone uh, individually, across not just in the running back room, but across the board of the team, has to find a way to excel in their, in their role. So, Chase, is that what you mean? When you talk about role, I've also heard you say, quote, I hate the term RB1. Is that what you mean by that? You're just looking for a role? Uh, um. I said that I hate the term RB1 just because I was always the guy on the short end of the stick, man. And um, I was always raised, and I believe that football should always be played as that everyone earns their spot, you know. And then the football world, there's an old quote that goes by saying, you get what you deserve in the football world, man, always and forever. And um, I just think that every man should earn his role in the, in the team. I, I believe in no handouts. and that's, So that's kind of why I said I don't really believe in the term RB1. I was kind of always the guy on the short end of the stick, and then you kind of just it puts labels on things. I told the guys in the room, man, we need to earn our role. Everyone is going to earn what they get in this training camp and moving forward to this practice and these games. I like it. Chase Edmonds joining us. So in terms of getting ready for the season, I know that you've worked on adding some more muscle in the offseason. Like what kind of offseason training were you doing and what was the thinking behind that? And have you noticed a difference on the field? Yeah, well, um, I knew I would be taking more carries than what I had last year. I had, I believe, 97. So I knew the carries would definitely go up for the last year. So I wanted to put on some weight just to help with uh, going inside the tackles. I'm at 208 right now currently. I'm holding the weight pretty well. So what I did was uh, early on, man, I just really focused on kind of getting my body back right, doing a lot of uh, appointments with neuromuscular people and just fascia stretching, really trying to get my body on while also trying to add some weight to it. And then really I didn't start running heavy, heavy until the last month 
last month and a half of training right before training camp where I kind of went out to uh, California with my guy Jamal Liggins, JLT, and got to shout him out. He does a great job training us. Me and Christian Kirk and uh, Byron Murphy went out there for about a month, and that's really where we hit our condition. And I was able to just keep the weight on, and that's kind of what, what my focus was going into the uh, last offseason. Hmm. Chase Edmonds joining us again. So from the outside, it seems like you are a perfect back for a Cliff Kingsbury offense. For those who don't know, what's it like to play your position in that offense? What are the keys to that job? Yeah, it's, it's a very versatile role, man. Um, Cliff asked a lot from the running backs in terms of just not just running the ball, but obviously knowing the pass protection, knowing your hotkeys, getting in the slot a little bit and mixing it up and mix, uh, with, the, with some mismatches with uh, linebackers in space. So I love that, man. Um, that's something I really tried to do last year. So last offseason, before my year three, I really kind of wanted to separate myself in terms of receiving out the backfield, and I felt like it paid off for me pretty well. So this year I obviously kept on that, and I'm really trying to separate myself as one of the elite guys out of the backfield this year. Chase, you had an amazing tweet yesterday about Kyler Murray. That made me, it actually made me laugh out loud, straight up. Yeah. Quote, K1 threw a damn ball on the run today, about 50 yards in the air on my soul. It would have been a dime in every currency in the world, Lord have mercy, end quote. For those who were not there, what was it about that particular ball that made you tweet that? That's funny. Uh, Jim, well, It is funny, um, dude. <laughs> so we were um, – Every, after every practice, Cliff always just uh, does – when we do our team meetings, he always posts some clips of whether it's a great effort, whether it's uh, what we need to work on. And he put, it, it just happened to be that play. And he was really pointing out Buddha's, Buddha's effort that Buddha was helping uh, make a play on the ball. But I didn't know. We were practicing the play, and K1 was rolling out to his right. And, I mean, he was full rolling out on, on his right, and he was in a run. And he, he threw this ball where it was on the run, but he also faded to the right. And, I mean, it was an absolute dime right, right, right to Rondell Moore. And um, I didn't see it live in practice. I really didn't notice it. And I was just in team meeting, and I looked at Buddha. I said, bro, did you see that damn dime that he just <laughs> And uh, it, just, it just caught my attention, man. It was a really great ball, man. But he's been doing that in and out of practice every single day. And I think uh, just looking at K1's growth, man, the one thing I noticed so much is not, not in terms of the leadership, but I'm talking about just in terms of his, his physical growth with the football is just – how much more comfortable he is in super tight windows. I mean, you're seeing super next-level stuff where he's fitting certain balls and certain crosses right into these tight windows that you wouldn't think is possible. So he's really taking the next step right now. I love that breakdown. In fact, you answered my next question. I was going to say, what does the next step look like? I mean, you yeah. know, athletically, this guy's just next level. Like, he's just right. got freakish, freakish ability. We know that. Just, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've spent a lot of time with him, but the couple of times I've spoken to him, I'm just kind of blown away by his presence, by his swagger, by his confidence. And yeah. he's not in your face with it, man. He just carries himself a certain way. Does it feel like that way to you? It does. Uh, he has a unique way of carrying himself. You can definitely feel his presence though with his swag. Because uh, K1, again, he's not a loud guy, quiet guy, kind of just keeps to himself, obviously. But he does a great job of leaving us. And, um, you know, when he steps on the field, man, he gives himself and he gives us that swagger that we feel like, man, we can go out, we can put 30 points on anybody. Chase, I want to ask you this about something else you said that I think I really respect this because you don't hear this very often from guys. Guys may think this, but guys don't always say this. A few weeks back, you said, quote, we're obviously going to address the elephant in the room. We're very disappointed just how the season ended last year to come out and be six and three. Just from an outsider's view, it obviously looks like we had a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. We put it on ourselves. We folded point blank, period. We have to be better. It's a really strong statement, Chase. Like, is there any part of you that would walk back that part about we folded or straight up, did you fold and did you feel like that was a fair thing to say and it needed to be said? Yeah, well, Jim, I feel like uh, I feel like it was a fair thing to say, 
especially you know knowing how each man felt in the locker room, knowing how each coach, everyone involved with the Cardinals organization, how he felt uh, at the end of that season after the L.A. Rams lost. Obviously, we, we felt like we had a really good shot after that Seattle game, the first Seattle matchup, going into the, going into the second stretch of the season. You know, you look inside, you're trying not to, you're trying to ignore the noise. You're six and three. You're kind of just doing the math. You're looking around and say, okay, let's handle business, and you know, we'll see where the seeds play themselves out. And then to, to end the year on eight and eight, I mean, we, we set the standard high in our room. We set the standard high on this team. So I felt like it was a fair thing to say, and I felt like the one thing that we needed more of is accountability in terms of just guys have to know that it's not okay for that to happen. Guys have to know that, you know, we need to address these things openly. We need to address these things amongst each other so we can find ways for it not to happen again. And I just felt like if I can't hold myself accountable, how can I look at another man and, and tell himself to you know, hold him accountable as well? I can't tell you how much I respect that response. I mean, I, I respect everything you just said. I respect that you said it when you said it, and I respect that you're not walking it back and you're saying, look, I'm just saying, I'm not asking anything of you that I'm not asking myself. Let's just be accountable. When you chase, when you talk about noise, like how do you approach the noise? Do you, do you block the noise out? How do you approach the phone, social media, what's being said? Yeah. Do you ignore it altogether? Do you convert it into fuel? What is your approach to the noise? Yeah, so I had a, uh, again, um, Jim, my old coach, college coach, Joe Moore, had always used to say a pat on the back turns to a shove out the door real quick. So right. <laughs> I always kind of just take everything with a grain of salt. If it's something negative about me, I'm always going to try to use it as motivation. I feel like you can never have too much motivation in this world. And then if it's a pat on the back where someone's complimenting me, I just take it with a grain of salt, man, keep it going. I really loved what Giannis said during the NBA Finals run, man, when he was talking about just staying in the present. And, you know, he's talking about your ego and your pride in terms of looking in the past and, and looking in the future. And that's something that I, I'm a big fan of his. So I really studied what he was saying. And it just makes so much sense. So I'm just trying to stay in the present right now, man, and not read too much into things. Just continue to hold myself accountable, hold this team accountable, and then figure out how we can be the best team possible come week one. It's just, I love that you mentioned Giannis and that you respect the way he goes about it. It's, it's one high-level athlete. I'm really curious what you think about this. You know, the rap against Giannis before he did finish was, man, this dude's just too nice a guy. He's just too right, cool. Right, he doesn't yep. have that killer instinct, man. He plays with joy. He's not running on that kind of negative fuel. What do you make of that whole thing? I mean, I feel like, Jim, you know, uh, greatness comes in so many different ways, especially when you look at all the great competitors in this league. You got like assassin killers like Jordan and Kobe, and then you got guys who, you know, again, where you're talking about they're kind of nice or they kind of befriend people like LeBron and, and Giannis. And I feel like everyone is their own unique person. Everyone is their own unique style. And whatever works for you, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I was, kind of, I was very happy for Giannis, man, just to win that ring because, again, you read all the negativity that people were saying about him and, I never understood how you could say something negative about that man, especially the way he carries himself and what he does for his team. Got 100%, especially where he started, where he's yeah. ended up, the fact that he did not leave to chase, that he wanted to finish there. And, and by the way, like best guy ever. If you got a problem with Giannis, the problem is probably <laughs> with the guy you're looking at in the mirror. The, Giannis yeah. is not the problem. Here's the thing, Chase, what I really respect also about you, man, you're just you're not afraid – and you're going to say what you have to say. As an example, you did tweet, pizza slices are better when you fold them. This is factual. Dude, break that down for me. Why are they better when you fold them? Why is there a difference? Jim, honestly, man, I, don't, I didn't start doing that until I got to New York when I went to school at Fordham. Uh, that got put, that, I got put on by that. And it's something about when you fold the pizza. I don't know if you ever tried it yourself, but oh, if yeah. you haven't, I, I promise you. It's better when you fold it. It's just something about it, man. It's different. I can't even explain it. It's just they don't taste the same as the fold when you fold it when you don't fold it. Now, Chase, I agree with you, but I can't explain <laughs> it either. Now, you're smarter than me. You went to Fordham. I was hoping you could explain it to me. I agree with you. I just can't explain it, but you can't either. Man, I, can't, I can't either, man. I can't call it.
What was that experience like? That That's a really good academic institution. You had a great college career playing the game. What was it like for you to live and go to school there? Oh, it was great, man. Uh, you know, Jim, obviously – being a college athlete, you know, you don't have as much time to go see the city and everything like that, especially with no money in your pocket. But just to go and navigate New York City, get to see all the boroughs, it really put me in a spot where I felt like no matter where I went in life, I would be okay. I'll be able to navigate around that city and, you know, be able to hold my own, find where certain things are and kind of just, you know, be a regular citizen. And, you know, New York is different, man. Going on that subway, you see a lot of different stuff. So it really prepared me for that. Lawrence, what's up? Hey, Ron, thanks for the vine. So, look, you already got Grandpa Munster uh, and Jarrett Ritt behind there, but this uh, is to welcome your new uh, EP. He's creepy and he's kooky. Looks like a piece of dookie. Tom's hairline, so kind of spooky. He is Count Chocula. A face like a vampire. Seems like he's always wired. Amazing he was hired to the Romy family. Da-da-da-da. Sweet. Da-da-da-da. Neat. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da. A geek. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Yeah, all that's true. It's not a good call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Bad connection. Typical parody, Larry. So, Tom, why don't you throw those cans on real quick? So you're kind of settling into this, and I appreciate the fact that when I say, how's it going, this is not easy. Your response generally has been, it's going really well, but it's not easy. So when you hear a guy like that doing a parody about you as Count Chocula, what is your response? And I thought he was going to bring it a little bit more harshly than that. Especially when it started with the Adams family, I was like, "Oh boy, where are we headed?" But what do you mean, where are we weak. headed? It was, it was the, it was kind of weak, is that what you said? In every way. I also warned him like three times about his connection. And he claimed there was like a thing going on about how I don't know he can't hear the return when he has it on not on speaker, so he has to listen to me talking to him on speaker and then flip it. But he'd get it right for the air, and then he completely botched it. Right. So that you you thought that he was going to bring some real smoke and some heat, and he didn't, and then he didn't follow your directions. When Gen- somebody calls up and say they want to serenade you, you know, usually you say, okay, you know, we'll see what you got. But I was not the right call. Serenade you, dude. Why was he going to serenade you? He's parody Larry. He doesn't yeah. serenade anybody but himself. All right, so generally speaking, like, all right, what's your philosophy? Like, there's a show philosophy. You know we're looking for something to make the show better. But generally, what do you look – I want to give these guys a chance to get on the air, but they've got to get through you. You're the gatekeeper. So what are you looking for before you put them on the screen to get them up? has to be a point. It has to have a take. It shouldn't be bad, and it should be, like, funny. It should have some kind of intensity level, and it should sound, I don't know, a little bit more developed than just, I have a prediction for you about X, or I have this one-note opinion about Y. You know, that's the kind of thing you hear on every other radio show, but here we do a little bit more than that. It's got to be a little bit more of an elevated call, and even when I try to produce people up, they're still not really getting the hint, so you really got to bring something special to make it to the air, and we will put you on. You want to put callers on. I want to put callers on. But it's got to be, it's got to make it better. They've got to play their way in. They have to earn their way on. I like what I'm hearing so far. So let me ask you this. No names mentioned because, well, they're not on the screen, so I can't mention them by name. But if you were willing to put Parody Larry's name on the screen, what were the others who did not get on the screen? What were they like? Basically what I just said. One note calls. I mean, not to be mean. I know they're still there. And they're going to call. <laughs> they're going to call back, too. I'm going to have to pick them up again. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. But yeah, it's a little bit too one note. Just come back on another day with a little bit more. I'm not going to like write your names down and say you can never yeah, get but on. What makes Just... you think? Okay, that's fair. But what makes you think that they'll come back another day with more if this is the way they showed up today? You have I... faith in humanity? Not really. I don't have much faith. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying that if they do, they will make it through. But I don't know that I have faith that that will happen. All right. So you've been in this business a little while now, and you've been on some other shows before. Have you ever met anybody quite like that old man behind you? Definitely not. I've never worked with nor met anybody like the man behind me. Uh huh. Is is he making you better or worse? I think he's making me better. How? Name one way. Because, you know, he's unpredictable. He's just coming at you with... Oh, no, he's predictable, all right. We know exactly what he's going to do always. He's a classic... Go ahead. He's a classic wild card. I mean, maybe he's predictable in his unpredictability, but he's a classic wild card. He keeps me on my toes, and it's been part of the adjustment, has been adjusting to it. Listen, dude, don't be throwing around your Ivy League diploma with me, even though that's what got you in the door to a certain extent. Don't be coming with your double negatives and your reverse psychology, man. Just shoot straight. There's nothing unpredictable about this guy, and there's nothing predictable in his unpredictability, man. He's an old man. He's bald. He eats sugar. This is not confusing. Mmm. Mmm. I don't know how to best explain it. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I'm trying to help you with. <laughs> but you can't necessarily take everything with writ at face value. That would be a mistake. So sometimes you kind of got to think a little bit further about what he's saying to you or what he's suggesting or what he's doing. Give me an example. I take everything at face value with that guy. Give me one example of something that deserves to be taken at something other than face value. One thing that he has said that, hey, you know what? Maybe that's not what he meant. It's more, I mean, like we talk about some things like what, what are funny topics for the show or what are good, what's good feedback from the audience. So we've talked about some things that sometimes what he suggests. I'm still waiting to hear one funny thing that you guys have come up with. Exactly. Sometimes something he suggests as funny or interesting is, but not for the reason maybe he thinks it is. Name one time Ritz been funny. Intentionally. It's not Ritz. It's, it's when he's pointing out when other people are being funny. Wow. Makes me laugh though. No, no, Rit Rit does make me laugh. He's not trying to, but he's funny in in ways that he doesn't mean to be, for sure. All right, son, good talk. All right, so are you you still happy to be here? And and by the way, how are things going for you right about now? Generally, generally. I don't mean during this conversation. I mean, generally, I need to touch base with you. No, no, this is actually going pretty well. You're doing better than I thought. How are things overall? Your transition to a new state, a new job, a new audience, a new seat, a new bald old guy behind you. How is your life? How are you living? It's outstanding. I mean, this is going to sound kind of hyperbolic and sorry for another big word, but like this is kind yeah, stop of. Stop doing that, dude. You're starting to act like you think you're better than all of us. Hyperbolic. A little bit. Just a little bit. Hyperbolic. Um, I feel like I need to be in a hyperbaric chamber just listening to you talk. Go ahead. This is kind of like sports radio heaven, I got to say. I mean, this this place is pretty great. This crew is pretty great. This show is pretty great. So, I mean, I can't really complain. And, you know, I know there's a lot being said about California these days. But uh, if you've never been, you should try it. It's a gorgeous, amazing place. It's where I've always wanted to live. And now I'm here. So I got no complaints. Jeff. All right. So you tell me what you think I want to hear or are you telling me what you truly believe? Because you know one of the first things I said to you was, I don't want any sycophants. There's a good word for you. Use it. Sycophant. I don't think I've been sycophantic. Have I been sycophantic? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear, but rather what I need to hear, and most of all, what is from the heart and what is true, and you believe everything you just said. Yes. And also, Good. you don't. do you really care if I love living in California? Like, I don't have to. That's not a requirement for the show. No, but what I'll, tell you what I, I'll tell you what I don't love is you saying you do if you don't. 
but that's not the case at all. I'm that's I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. loving life down here. Good man, shoot me straight. Good job. All right, don't be a sycophant. All right, so that guy's got a pretty good vocabulary, right? Still not as good as mine because I'm a wordsmith. However, however, he's come as close to me as anybody in quite some time. And already, I'll tell you, guys, taking offense to it. Kelly, James Kelly, he just texted me hyperbolic. This is the exact, exact text from James Kelly. Hyperbolic WTF chalk. This is how we communicate, Kelly and I. James Kelly, James Kelly is a different kind of smart. Certainly not in the way he expresses himself, we know this. Certainly not in the way he uses his words, we know this. But extremely street smart and... Winthrop. Well, that. He's a different kind of smart. James Kelly is like the opposite of educationally smart. Tommy B there is very well educated. Very well educated. I like that, man. I love the way he communicates via text. Hyperbolic. WTF. Chalk. Commander Chalk. People love All right. It's a good conversation, man. That's not easy to do. Just stood in. Brought us up to date. Talked about the kind of caller that he's looking for versus what he's not looking for. Talked about his life in California. His move to talk show, sports talk show heaven. Rit that he gets a kick out of for some reason. Hey, Rit, you got to hang in there, man. You just got to make it to October 14th. I don't mean as an employee. I mean as a human being above ground. All you have to do is make it to our birthday. And you will get to sit in this seat once again. Provided the Delta variants under control and you're vaccinated. We'll see. Still ahead. So what are your thoughts on Chalk? Get yourself an EP, man. He very bright, very hardworking, has acclimated extremely well. This is not an easy job. Learning you clones, learning the culture of the program. You cannot force these things. They take time. So far, so good. Sucks for you, line two and line three, whoever you are. However, and by the way, why are you still on hold after what we just talked about? I know you heard the whole conversation. The good thing about Shock, he's not jaded. Not yet. They generally all become that way. Actually, that's not true. I take that back. That's not true. I really do retract that. Some never do. Some will turn. Some will become jaded. If anything, he's like the Giannis of EPs when it comes to you clones. He's too nice. He's going to have to get a little more of an edge to him to screen this thing out. But he will over time. Good night now!